following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN. You are home for K State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. Man, I should have been a pharmacist. I like looking up, like, what is the national day today? And I saw it's, like, National Pharmacist Day. Oh. And I'm like, you know, I think those guys make a lot of money. I looked it up, and they do. It wouldn't be surprising to hear about a pharmacist that makes over 100 Gs a year. And then I thought to myself, what do they do all day? They fill bottles with pills? Is that about it? I don't know. Is If there's a pharmacist listening, 537-1350, what do you do all day? What is your – what's the checklist for the day when you're not dealing with customers? It's like a library for medication. You have to sort through everything and make sure everything's like – And given the government regulation that's involved, you're doing an awful lot of paperwork, I'm sure. Is pharmacy the fast food of the medical industry? You get the order. You fill the order. There's a drive-thru. <laughs> I'm going to have to ask my uh, brother-in-law, who's a pharmacology instructor over at KU, about that. And it, it may sound like I'm taking a shot at the pharmacy business. I mean, that's a... Uh, schooling, obviously, some very serious schooling goes into being able to do that kind of job. I'm sure you have to give advice on how to appropriately take medicine. You have to break it down to the pe- people that are getting their medicine on how many pills to take a day and take right. it with food or take it with you know, whatever. It is a little bit of a tougher job. I just don't know what, how they fill the 8 to 5 when they're not filling bottles with medicine. I, I'm just curious to know what the checklist is daily for a pharmacist. I'm sure it's still not that interesting, but it just be interested to know. Uh huh. There's been times when you go to the pharmacy and it takes a while because there's like a line. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that happens every now and again. That is that is one thing I've never dealt with a pharmacy line. I've seen them. Not at Walgreens. I guess. Do you get get it at Walgreens? I usually go to Dylan's. Same. I've never dealt with a line there. Walgreens always has a line for some reason. I've also uh, usually been a K-Stat guy. K-Stat Urgent Care, shout out to him. Anyway, welcome to the game. Mitch Fortner alongside Travion Berklin. He's running the board, and Trey Coverdale is right next to me here to my 1 o'clock here. 537-1350 is our phone number. And I, you know, phone lines are open because uh, got the uh, last big announcement. I think it'll be the last big announcement uh, for K-State football on who might be leaving early. We know Cooper Beebe's coming back. Deuce Vaughn is gone. Malik Knowles is gone. Hopefully I'm not leaving anybody out. Uh, when it comes to declaring for the NFL draft, Felix Deuce, Indy, what? Deuce Vaughn is gone. I said Deuce. Oh, okay. Felix Indyke Uzama made his announcement today on social media. And I just want to start off by saying thank you, King Felix, because he announced that he is declaring for the NFL draft, which is not a surprise. Uh, maybe a, a very, very slight surprise after hearing from a couple of NFL scouts at the Big 12 championship game that he should return to school and improve his draft stock because returning to school, 
He probably becomes a first-round draft pick. Right now, he's probably a second-round guy. But at no surprise, Felix Indudike leaving, not not a surprise. I, I expected it. I think we expected it first of the year. He and... Uh, and Deuce Vaughn. I might even brought it up on Paracade Game Day, the you know the first game of the year against South Dakota. You know, what are your thoughts on Deuce Vaughn and Felix and DK Uzama? And I may even threw in Cooper Beebe. Will this be our last year of seeing them play? And there was a good thought. If if Deuce has a season like he did last year, exceeds it, shows his improvement, which I think he did. I think he improved his stock. I don't know. I don't know much about Deuce Vaughn's draft stock right now. I, I really don't. I tried looking into it. Couldn't really find a whole lot. But where he, I think, improved his stock if he did, is proved to be a really good pass blocker. Mm-hmm. The way he would interrupt a rushing linebacker at the line of scrimmage, or maybe a little bit into the backfield a little bit, and how he would pop dudes not only just in the passing game but in the running game. If he was a lead blocker, go check out the first play of the season. And the Jets sweep to Malik Knowles, and he laid a guy out. Yep. This 5'7", soaking wet 190 fella, is lighting dudes up. I think that improved his stock. That, that That's very valuable, especially with a guy his size, and he improved to do that. Now, of course, the NFL will be fit more physical uh, and, uh, you know, more wear and tear in the body for sure. There, we already know there's short shelf lives for uh, running backs in the NFL these days, but... Felix, on the other hand, he is the one that will be the first off the board for K-State. There, there's no doubt about that. I, there's, I don't think there is a chance for anybody else to take his spot. But you know, maybe when it comes to the advice of maybe if he does go back to school, improve his stock, have another year under his belt, improve, put on some more weight maybe um, – Maybe that comes from this draft class for 2023 being very defensive and heavy. This is a very rich class and draft board for defensive ends. Heck, I was surprised to see that. Uh, I knew it would be a good class. It seems like every other year, defensive ends in the NFL, it's a pretty hot draft class. Yeah. Um, well, now I'm blanking on what I was going to say. But um, defensive ends draft class. Oh, in the top ten, I was looking at mod drafts earlier today. I was just trying to get an idea of where Felix would fall into that order. There could be three or four defensive ends that go in the top ten. Yeah, not a surprise in that aspect. Uh, well, and you know, first of all, I, I was I was about to say, you know, the Texans they beat the Colts. And with that win, they got the second pick. They lost their spot of being the first overall pick in the draft. And now they've given into the uh, Chicago Bears, a team that started 2-1 and one, and then won one game the rest of the year. But I don't think that really changes anything. I don't think the Bears would, would move away from Justin Fields. They would most likely take a defensive end. Mm-hmm. And so that most likely now will now move Will Anderson into the number one spot in, as the overall number one pick in the draft. There's a very good chance of that. Unless they elect to play the game of trying to trade down and pick up what they can. Boy, when's the last time somebody traded the first overall pick? I think it happened one time recently, didn't it? It did. It did. Yeah. You're the Texans. I mean, you're just a trash team this year. I don't know if you trade that first pick. With Will Anderson right there for the taking, 
Uh, even if, you know, for the Bears, I, I think they could still get him, even that they didn't get that number one pick. But also, as a K-State fan, I was surprised to see this because Felix Andy DK was almost Big 12 Player of the Year. He was Defensive Lineman of the Year. Right. You would imagine he'd be you know, the first defensive lineman taken in the draft. Believe it or not, there is a player out of the Big 12 that is projected to go in the top 10 of the NFL draft playing at defensive end, and uh, that's Tyree Wilson of Texas Tech. And I think what – tried to read into this, didn't get a whole lot of information, a little bit, you know. We'll get a lot more once the combine takes place, and I think there's no doubt Felix will go. There. That's certain. Deuce would, would most likely go. Um, but Tyree Wilson, he's 6'6", a huge dude. And NFL scouts think he is more than ready to take on the NFL when it comes to the physicality. Big guy. Felix is a better pass rusher. Stats will prove that. NFL scouts think he's a better pass rusher, but Tyree Wilson is not only a good pass rusher and is, has been really good at splitting double teams in his pass rush. He didn't, he didn't see nearly as much as Felix did. But um, where he is good is he's, he's better than Felix at, at run, st- stopping the run. Um, also did not, pl- you know, I, I did mention the, the, the double teams, but um, Felix, his, his speed to power game, and when he wasn't being double teamed, Felix has, has this unbelievable talent of just using speed early, and there's there, – there's no chance an offensive lineman's going to stop him with the outside shoulder. Like he got around so many tackles, those left tackles, just by using his speed and then power. Secondly, to get around on the outside edge. I mean, Felix did not have a season like he did last year statistically. That's because the attention completely changed this season. I mean, how many defensive defensive ends could say that they faced the double teams like he did all year long, dealing with the holds that weren't being called? I mean, later on, I would love to talk about. If I definitely want to get in this conversation of you know where does where does Felix fall when it comes to the best defensive ends in K State history? Oh wow, there's a lot of great ones. Go back to the '90s and the early 2000s. Those elite defenses had a bunch of really good defensive ends. But I would imagine most of them did not get the attention, especially because, you know, K-State playing now in the 3-3, and Bill Snyder used to play that 4-3 base. Mm -hmm. Yep. Much different. Much different. Uh, Just to answer the question, the last time that a number one was traded out of, 2016, Titans had the number one traded out of it. The Rams used it to pick up Jared Goff. Okay. And now Jared Goff is a Detroit Lion. Detroit Lion, that's right. Because he was a straight-up deal with Stafford. Stafford trade, yep. Who may or may not be back next year. Look up who who the Titans take then. Uh, Yeah, good question. You, of course, asked that after I shut the tab. Of course, Titans did not make the playoffs (laughs) this year. Disappointing year for the Tennessee Titans. But anyway, Felix and Udike Uzama. You know, I I think of Darren Howard. Darren Howard was, you know, he was a second-round pick. Early second round pick. Felix's game reminded me of Darren Howard. Darren Howard did have a couple of interceptions. That's not what Felix had. But man, was their pass rush elite. Absolutely elite. They used it on offensive tackle out of Michigan State, Jack Conklin. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah uh, know. pretty pretty average. 
to below average. It took forever for people to figure out how to say Felix and Udike Uzama. I had a down second try. You know, I guess some just aren't as good as I am, but uh, I got to play. I got to play for us here. The greatest call in TV history. It was when K State was playing at Texas Tech last year. And uh, old uh, Felix Indyke Uzama turned things around for the Cats when they were down 14 points at the break in Lubbock. Things were not going well for the Cats. A couple of silly turnovers, fumbles. It just was ugly. Somebody needed to turn around. And then the safety, thanks to Felix Indyke Uzama. And on the call, if you didn't know, if you needed a reminder, was Tim Brando. Texas Tech from their own four after a wonderful punt by Zetner. How about that? Can it be a safety? Very, it yeah, is. Yep, it is. And they're calling it. And it's Azuma. And Yudiki Azuma, 91, that made the play. Yudiki Azuma, Timmy, was I mean, in yeah. there so fast. Plays on the other side of the line of scrimmage. He just rushes through there so fast, Timmy. Felix and Yudiki Azuma. Only guy in the country the last couple of years that could have his name pronounced four different times in about 45 seconds. That was one of the funniest things I can remember from the time of Felix and DK Uzama. Tim Brando struggling, and then the heat he got on social media. Brando starts blocking people. I will say, though, when Brando came to Manhattan for the KU game, he was on the money this time around. I don't think, I, of course, I didn't watch it live, but from what I did see when I was re-watching the game, that... Brando did a much better job in the KU game pronouncing Felix and DK Uzama, which, by the way, so did everybody else that was calling games because they didn't want that K-State Twitter heat. But what was also the maybe the greatest robbery uh, in the last, I don't know, I, a while. I don't know. I can't put a timetable on that, a timeline on that, but uh, was in, in 2021 against TCU where Felix and DK Uzama set a new K-State Big 12 and tied the NCAA tournament record or tournament season record or game record for sacks in a game with six. And he just abused that left tackle, uh, Abino Eze or something like that, who is now a Detroit Lion. He was featured on Hard Knocks this year on HBO and just embarrassed him for five of those six sacks. And then there was this dumb NFL or NFL um, college football. Uh, rule that's not in the NFL, right? Of those last two sacks where they were strip sacks. Well, the ball went forward and the ball went across the line of scrimmage, so it doesn't count. Stupid, ridiculous rule. Felix, to me, is the Big Twelve single game record holder for sacks with six. It was kind of down to four, and that still bothers me. That was one of the most elite performances I've ever seen by a defensive player in K State history. Unbelievable performance. I had the honor of announcing that he broke all those records. The place was going nuts. It was a blowout win over TCU, who the next year would make the college football playoff. King Felix deserved the nickname. He had one of the best celebrations I think I've ever seen. Touchdown, defensively, whatever. Just celebration in general, which stole the show at the pep rally for the Sugar Bowl when he did it. He was requested to do it again. It's fantastic. He added the little crown placement on his head there towards the end of the year. Felix was absolutely one of a kind. And by the way, what a great quote he was. I think he was my favorite quote this year. He was just he felt like it was he was more open with the media. 
yet not saying a whole lot. He was just, I think, more honest than anybody. He'd give you more than an a- of an answer than anybody else without really giving you more than anybody else. Mm-hmm. He was just good with words and entertaining. He knew how good he was. Also things that are going to play well at the next level for him. Yeah. Felix is going to be missed. Of course, so will Deuce Vaughn. But you know what, guys? As we are a blue blood. This comes with being a blue blood, guys. Mm-hmm. This, is what, this is what comes with being good, great, fantastic in any sport. You're going to have some folks leave early. So as much as it may sting, this is a great opportunity for these guys. You know what? Hopefully just a sign to come. I hope we have more guys in the future leave early. Well, and it especially is at that point because of the oddity of the COVID year thrown in as well. That you're, you know, the roster is in such flux because you don't know uh, whether guys will take that sixth year, much less the fifth year or a fourth. Yeah, another example of that I, 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 I swore all season. Like for some reason, I thought Daniel Green had no eligibility left, and I guess he does. I guess he does have one more year. I, I've like I've said, I've completely lost track of who has years left or who doesn't. I thought. I thought Deuce Green was done. Apparently, can come back for one more year, but he told us uh, at post game after the Sugar Bowl that he's uh, that he's, he's calling com- it. He's not coming back for another year. He's, he said he thinks he's done and he's ready for the next level. And absolutely wishing the best on that. But uh, today's King Felix Day for sure. And uh, coming up in the second hour, I think that's what I'm going to squeeze in. You know, best defensive ends in K State football history. Where does Felix fall into that pecking order? That's going to be a tough call, by the way. I'm, I've, I've been thinking about it for the last couple of hours, and I still don't really have a uh, an answer for that, a decision on where I would put him. But when we come back, you know what? Let's revisit, because I wanted to do this segment last week and I completely forgot. Let's revisit predictions that we made at the beginning of the year on the 2022 football season. Let's see how many we were right on when we come back on the game. Man, it it appears some dirt is coming out in Stillwater about Spencer Sanders and Mike Gundy. Uh Uh-oh. Spencer was trying to come back after entering the transfer portal, and Gundy was like, I think we're good. I'm going to look more into this. I, Woo. That's interesting. The the man this, with the One America Network t-shirt doesn't want his quarterback back. Well, and it's already been kind of a it's not I wouldn't call it a max. They've just in the in the portal this year and Gundy is not a portal guy. No. Um has been losing quite a few guys that contributed this year, especially on the defensive side of the football. They've also lost their starting running back, number of wide receivers, not to mention Spencer Sanders. Spencer wants to come back, who's like a four-year starter already, wants to come back for that extra year, and uh, Gundy says, take a hike. That's interesting. I, I, I might need to look more into this, because um, it's surprising, and I feel like I think they downgraded with Alan Bowman uh, with the quarterback they got in the transfer portal, but uh, maybe we can get to that a little bit later on in the show. I wanted to look back at the football season because, for, for another reason, uh, be, before the season, we did top 10 predictions this year, and I meant to do this last week and I completely forgot about it. I thought, let's revisit those predictions because I'm very curious to see what we got right and what we did, got wrong. Because I would imagine we probably got a lot of things wrong. It might look a little bit silly uh, because obviously things did change a little bit from the start of the season to the end of the season. Uh, 
DG also made predictions. Not going to count those. He's still on his uh, daddy daycare hiatus. Um, so it's just going to be Troy and I go over our predictions. Question number one was, will Adrian Martinez throw for 12 or more touchdowns this year? Because the last quarterback to do that was Jake Waters in 14, which is crazy. Um, what did you say? I said that, no, Adrian would not throw more than 12 this season. Yeah, and you'd be right. I said yes, uh, because, you know, I thought, you know, Adrian would start the whole season. Um, you know, of course, K-State's luck. Another quarterback does not. Mm-hmm. Luckily, though, uh, Will Howard was the man since taking over. I did say yes, but Adrian Martinez finished with six passing touchdowns this year. The second question was, which of the safeties, we got a bunch of new safeties back there this past season, which of the safeties would have the most interceptions? And the uh, question was influenced due to Russ Yeast being the leading in, leader in interceptions in 2021. I know I said Kobe Savage. You took? Josh Hayes. So Josh Hayes finished with zero. Dang. Kobe Savage had three, but Sincere Mason also had three. So there was a tie. Um, but I will give myself a point uh, because, uh, you know, there was a tie, but Kobe Savage was one of them. So we're at 1-1 here, and there were 10 questions. Next, who would average more all-purpose yards <laughs> per game, Deuce Vaughn or B. John Robinson? I'll give you the answer. Bijan had 157.8, Deuce Vaughn 138.3. And you know which way I went. I picked hashtag my boy. As did I. Oh, you did? I had Deuce. I thought you would be the Bijan Robinson guy. No, All I right. took Deuce Vaughn. So nobody got that right. Back to King Felix, who earlier today announced that he's going to forego the rest of his eligibility to declare for the NFL draft. I set the Felix total sacks over under at 10 and a half. And he had 11 the year before. What did you have? Did you take the under or the over? I took the under. I think I took the over. Yes, I did. Dang it. I just thought it would be exceptionally difficult to replicate, especially yeah. given that he was likely going to face double teams all year. Yeah. Yep. You'd be right. Uh, Felix this year had eight, or eight and a half. Eight and a half. Eight and a half this year. Still a fantastic number. Uh, all right, so you're up two to one. The next question, who will be K-State's receiving yards leader? I took Malik Knowles. My prediction was he would have his best season yet, and he did. Hey, I got one right. 725 was Malik Knowles, and by the way, he's also declared for the NFL draft. You Remember the question and, and what your qualifier was in terms of the yardage? When you look back at what the year previous was? Philip Brooks led the way with receiving yards going or you know, two years ago at mm-hmm. 543. That's right. unreal when you look at what K-State did this year. And also, I, I, uh, Philip Brooks did eclipse that. He set a career high in, in uh, receiving yards this year, but Malik Knowles was your leading receiver. Looks like we were tight. You said Philip Brooks. By I the said way. Philip Brooks. Yeah, now, now we're 2 2. So I, I guess the answer to this next question is just to your opinion. Uh, but I made the next question who would be K State's breakout player this year? I said RJ Garcia. That was where the most hype was when it comes to a breakout player. It's like, well, wide receiver, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. Um, R.J. Garcia, everybody's been ranting and raving about how good he's been in the fall. That's who I went with. And you said? I went with V.J. Payne. 
looking to a freshman to have an immediate impact in the defensive backfield. So I thought VJ Payne at the time was a really good one. And yeah, I mean, he, he's given us a taste on what he can be in the future. However, those two guys, I would not give this award to. I think you could give it to DJ Giddens, Will Howard. I think Will Howard certainly had a breakout year. Ben Sennett. But I think where I would go for the correct answer on the, to this question is Brennan Mott, mm. defensive end. He was second on the team in, in sacks. He had, what, six, six and a half? He was, uh, he was nipping at the heels right. of Felix Andy D.K. Uzama. I think, I think he was the breakout guy this year. But, again, that's to everybody's opinion. Uh, the next question, nobody got that right. So the next question is, what would be K-State's record at the end of the regular season? And, Troy, I think you got this one right. Because didn't you say 9-3? and three? I did. I said 10-2 and two because I was not expecting the two-lane loss. But I did think there would be two losses in Big 12 play. But... Troy gets the point. You're up three to two. So this was actually a question I forgot to ask when we did the segment. But let's go ahead and go over it anyway, because I thought this was a great question heading into the year. And that was, does Iowa State or Texas finish with the better record? We were both right. We both took Texas. Texas finished eight and five. Iowa State was four and eight. (laughs) So everybody gets a point. Oh, boy. Uh, A couple of more questions left. Who would play in the Dr. Pepper Big 12 championship game? Now, this is uh, when you look back. I guess the predictions kind of make sense, but are a bit of a a laugher now. Mm -hmm. Who would would play in the Dr. Pepper Big 12 championship game? I did take K-State because I said 10-2. and I was like, with that record, they'd probably get in. And I said Oklahoma. The reason I said Oklahoma is because I thought they had a very favorable schedule with who they play at home, who they play on the road. Burt mm-hmm. Venable's a very defensive-minded guy, of course. But their defense would be better. Yeah, they finished with a losing record this year. Who did you take? I took a repeat. I expected it to be Baylor and Oklahoma State. I figured with Spencer Sanders at quarterback that Oklahoma State would find ways to get things done. And I really felt that Baylor with what they had accomplished the year previous, was going to be able to maintain. Unfortunately for them, they did not. And this wasn't a question, but I also said who I thought the two losses for K-State would be this year. I said Oklahoma State and Baylor. And those those were two blowout victories for the Cats. And then finally, which four teams would make the college football playoff? Uh, I actually got two. Uh, I got Georgia and Michigan, but I also said Bama and Utah. Utah was a very popular pick for the college football playoff they were behind the eight ball after game one because they lost to florida on the road but they still won the pac-12 troy you ended up picking let's see you had utah clemson ohio state and uh bama Bama, so you got one out of them so we were well i was kind of on you were a little bit off but we both had utah they didn't make it nobody was expecting tc to make the college football playoff and uh but i'm going to give you the honors of winning uh you get you win the top 10 predictions for the season as we reflect back. I'll give you the victory. Hey, did we figure out, by the way, how many uh, good for a Wildcat first downs there were? No, because I did not keep track every week. Well, I did, but I also, like, I I think I was a bit late on doing the retweet because I would tweet out, like, the prediction where you take right. it over the under, then I yep. would say how many there were. I didn't do it for every game, so. Okay. We don't need the tiebreaker anyway. But I did pick 154, and I think I was, I think I was exactly right. Uh, all right, let's take a break. And when we come back, let's talk with uh, Jeff Mitty, 
K-State women's basketball coach. He'll join us next. this one. I like this one. It's a good one, Trey. Misfits. Listen to a little Misfits on my way up to Concordia. Oh, nice. This a uh, couple of weekends ago. Or this last weekend. Had a family Christmas thing. It was like an hour and a half. Might as well throw on some punk. I haven't done that in a while. <laughs> uh, all right. K-State women's basketball now 12-5 and on the year. 1-3 and in Big 12 play. Dropped the last couple of games. Couple of close ones. But they lost to West Virginia and Iowa State looking for a rebound on Saturday hosting Texas Tech. We're now pleased to be joined by K-State women's basketball coach Jeff Mitty. Well, Coach, I you know I was able to watch on TV the last couple of games in, in both matchups, even on the road at number 15 Iowa State. Your guys were in it. Did it just feel like there's just at times just not enough shots going in to keep up? <laughs> yeah, you you know, you hate to <clears throat> you hate to do it. You hate to say it that it's that simple, but um, I think we've got to make more shots. I think we've got to get—I um, don't want to say better shots, but in some instances, um, I think if we'll move it better, I think if we'll um, pass a little sharper, those things, those windows for open shots, will be even bigger. And um, yeah, we missed some critical ones last night. Uh, I, I liked our fight. I like the fact that, um, you know, we um, continued to battle better. West Virginia, I didn't feel like we uh, played together as well. I didn't feel like we did things as, as well as we were capable of. But last night, it really boiled down to, um, you know, we, we ended up shooting, I think, 26% from three. And, uh, you know, we're going to have to shoot it better from three. Briley uh, Glenn, her her numbers, or I should say her minutes, uh, haven't been what it usually is. And I think I caught on the, your pregame interview with Brian Smoller before last night's game. Is she's dealing with an ankle? Is that it? Yeah, and she's been she has rolled the same ankle four times now. And Briley is a really tough kid. Wants to play. Um, so, yeah, she um, did everything she could to play. She was able to play. The good news is she did not rule it last night. So we were able to get out of the first time in about three weeks where she didn't re-injure it. Um, I held her out of practice today again because it's really the first time we've had a chance to put together, you know, a couple of five, six days where she hasn't rolled it. So um, I'm hoping that we're, we're getting closer to where, um, you know, she can play extended minutes because I think she only got about 18 or 19 last night. So what we've tried to do because of the, the injury is just uh, not have her go too long when she's out there, not have her go seven, eight straight minutes, have her go three and four, get her some rest, another three or four, get her some rest. And, um, you know, we miss her. She's a tough player out there and a, and a good player. Yeah, in the last couple of games, the, the two losses, West Virginia and Iowa State, I thought Jalen Glenn, she's had a couple of nice lines with uh, back-to-back games with a double-double. And ha- has she been the one that's been, you know, maybe picking up some of that slack where maybe Briley with the limited minutes hasn't been able to produce? Or is there somebody else that you would put in that spot? Uh, 
Well, yeah, I think Jay's had a really good stretch here. Now, she didn't shoot it great against West Virginia, but she found other ways to, to play really well. And, and um, you know, she continues to uh, really defensively be a problem for people. And then last night, she was really shot it well and really aggressive. Um, I think Serena Sundell's had a good look to her. I think she's uh, continuing to improve. Um, Gabby had a rough night last night. They put a lot of extra bodies on her kept her off the free throw line, um, and then, you know, we, we, we we're not as deep, and, and that's the evident thing is we're not as deep as we were before all the injuries, and, um, you know, we've got to have players play at a high level, and uh, when somebody has a uh, off night, um, it, it's more impactful. We've got to have the players step up and increase their production. Yeah, you mentioned Gabby, who uh, is the leading scorer in the Big Twelve with about twenty-one points per game, but she was held to nine last night. And I, you know, watching, I thought Iowa State—they they were pretty focused on playing, you know, good defense, but also I thought smart defense uh, against Gabby. Go ahead. No, I agree. I agree. I thought they played it smart. I thought they—they they really walled her off at the rim. Um, the the officials were allowing it to be a little extra physical down there. Uh, I thought Iowa State ran multiple people on her. They had Denarski on her at one point. Uh, they had Fritz on her at one point. So they didn't just run one player at her. And uh, they did a good job on her. Give them credit. Yeah, the question I have about Gabby is, have you seen in Big 12 play defenses trying to focus more on her? Maybe not like the Aokali treatment, because obviously it's a different position, but just try to be more focused yeah. on her and limit her? Yeah, what we're seeing, and we knew this uh, going back to the Arkansas game, uh, people are going to try to put a bigger defender on her because her post-up game is, is such a big part of getting to the free throw line. And so they're putting size on her. Um, anybody that has that six-one player, six-two that uh, can be physical but also guard all the ball screen stuff and, and guard her on the perimeter, they're going to run those type of players on her. Um, and um, West Virginia did it. Uh, they they had a, a real physical presence with her, and um, so we're going to see that. And she knows that. We talked. We've talked about ways to counter it. Um, she was aggressive last night, but like I said, Iowa State was a little bit better. Well, coming up next for your team coach is Texas Tech. They'll the game will be played in Bramlage, and uh, K State fans, it's possible to do a TV in person doubleheader with the men playing at 1 at, Tech, at TCU and then Texas Tech visiting the KC women's basketball team in Bramlage at 4 o'clock for that tip-off. But you know Texas Tech seems like a team as well. They're trying to rebound after a bit of a rough start in Big 12 play. They're also 1-3, but at a good non-con. What are some keys against this Texas Tech team? You know, they're playing a lot of people, so you don't always know what you're going to get with them. And uh, They played 11 last night, and... Um, you know, trying to figure out who they're going to play against you uh, will, will also determine maybe what defense they're in. If they go bigger, they, they'll play a little one-three-one zone. If they go small ball, they'll, they'll tend to play more man. Um, so yeah, they're they're a really interesting team. Um, they've got a little bit of everything, but they probably don't have an identity that they can sink their teeth into yet. Um, I think for us, it, it, you know, you talk about it's about you and those things, but it really is for us right now of us getting to play our best basketball again. 
And um, I thought we were closer last night with the ball movement. I thought we were closer um, seeing things uh, defensively. I thought it was a really good game for us. I thought we did some really good things. I thought we were active. I thought we did a good job on Jones, their All-American candidate. She only had 14. So I think if we can build off of uh, last night's game um, and uh, make some more shots, I think that's a good place for us. Again, tip-off at 4 o'clock in Bramlage against Texas Tech. Pre-game will start at 3.30, and then there's a road trip to Baylor. But, Coach, as always, I really appreciate your time and hope to talk to you next week. All right, Mitch. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it. That's KC Women's Basketball Coach Jeff Mitty here on The Game. And when we come back, we'll finish up the hour with a look back and meet the Wildcats with Felix and Udike Uzama. Finishing hour one of the game, uh, a caller reminded me of a story I completely forgot about uh, during the break that had to do with the KU game last year. I'm, I'm going to try to get to that at the uh, the top of the second hour, but right now I want to flash back to earlier this season when we did Meet the Wildcats with King Felix and Udike Uzama. It's Meet the Wildcats time with Felix and Udike Uzama. Favorite athlete growing up? Ooh, this is a great one. My favorite athlete growing up, I would say LeBron James. Do you have a dating red flag? Uh, My dating red flag is um, I feel like dirtiness and stuff like that. If a girl's dirty, uh, it's just a red flag for me. So, First ever piece of music that you own, do you remember? Piece of music that I owned. Ooh, MP3. Uh, I'll probably say Not Afraid by Eminem. Don't seem like a guy that's afraid of much, but is there anything that you're afraid of? Ooh, me? Uh, I'm definitely afraid of snakes. I cannot deal with snakes. I hate snakes. Dream vacation. Where do you want to go? Uh, dream vacation is either Cancun or Hawaii for like a whole month. Cooking. If you were to impress somebody, what's the go-to dish? Oh, shrimp alfredo. I'm great at cooking that, so I'll cook that every day for a girl, anytime. Everybody's gamers, right? So what game are you best at? Ooh, it's funny. Uh, I just stopped playing games, honestly, on PlayStation, but before I was a big Call of Duty guy, uh, Warzone. I was pretty good at Warzone. Probably averaged like three kills a game, which is kind of bad, but I only played for like three months, so. Quads, solo? Ooh, quads. All right, I'm in between TV shows. I need something to watch. What's your binge-watching recommendation? Oh, I'm going to give you a lot, actually. The Boys, Ozarks, probably my two favorite shows of all time. Oh, Game of Thrones. That's a great show, too. And honestly, I remember growing up watching The Walking Dead. That was probably one of my all-time favorites to watch, too. Favorite sports movie? Dang. Favorite sports movie? White Man Can't Jump is Hard and uh, uh, Love and Basketball. Speaking of sports movies, uh, The Waterboy has a Coach Klein. Does anybody call Coach Klein Mr. Coach Klein? I might have to start calling him that now. I'm definitely going to start calling him that now. I'm going to call him Coach Klein now. I forgot all about that. That's crazy. Do a little Bobby Boucher accent, maybe? Yeah. (laughs) I might have to, yeah. I'm definitely going to call him that now. All right, and to wrap up, who is going to win the Super Bowl this year? Uh, I'm a Seahawks fan and also a Kansas City Chiefs fan. But I might have to give it to Kansas City Chiefs, so go Chiefs. One seed AFC. Thank you to King Felix. And I never got a follow-up on the – Mr. Coach Klein. I pictured that he did, but because of his personality, but who knows. All right, hour to the game. Best defensive ends in KC football history. Where does uh, Felix fall in that pecking order? That's next. Right now, your local news.